This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. As the markets today are up currently at the recording of this podcast, you have a couple situations that are currently happening. You have banks right now that are being grilled by Congress on how banks are operating currently right now. It's their annual let's meet in Congress and let's show that we're doing our jobs as Congress people and making sure the banks are doing what they need to do. You have the market also waiting for Jerome Powell to come out from the Fed meeting to be able to tell him, is he going to raise basis points again by 0.75% or a whole point? And that's what the market's been focusing on a lot right now. There are some other things too. The market has talked about a little bit about how how's the housing market and how things are looking. But there is some other news that is of interest today to be able to talk about here on this podcast today. For instance, we're going to be talking about YouTube and a little bit about why YouTube is getting into TikTok along with Google and Alphabet as well. Okay. There's also some news that I'm surprised wasn't talked about a little bit more yesterday or I mean today and in particular. Actually, this was reported yesterday, but it's not even being talked about as much. And that's how Tesla's Megapack battery caught fire at a P&G substation in California. Interesting how this doesn't get talked about when it comes to green energy issues currently right now. And finally, we got to be able to talk about how the EU finally approves the $5.2 billion public funding for the hydrogen project. We spoke a little bit about that in a previous podcast. I would advise listening to it if you would like to get the full story of what was going on before this approval had happened. And last thing we'll talk about too with the EU is how Germany government agrees nationalized deal for energy giants in their country. With that being said, I have to remind you all at the beginning of this podcast that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form, and everything I talk about this podcast is for information purposes only and entertainment for those who wish to listen. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money while you invest in the stock market. Please also like and subscribe to this video at this time as every like and subscription that we get can help grow this podcast so that we can be able to keep talking about the news events that are happening on the market. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. YouTube will start sharing ad revenue with short creators as the company tries to catch TikTok, okay? From CNBC, as YouTube tries to chase down TikTok and short video market, the Google-owned company says it will start handling over a bigger slice of the advertising revenue to popular creators. Neil Moham, chief product officer for YouTube, said on Tuesday that the annual creator event made on YouTube that starting next year, the company will pay a portion of its revenue from shorts distributed based on the videos that that get the most views. This is the first time rev, uh, real. This is the first time real revenue sharing is being offered for short-term video at scale. Mohan said, "It's not yet clear how lucrative an opportunity will be for short creators because YouTube is providing limited information on the payouts." YouTube said that every month it will pull together ad revenue from shorts. Of that sum, an undisclosed percentage is allocated to creators, and YouTube will pay them forty-five percent of that amount. Popular creators have been able to make money on YouTube's main site by running ads in their videos by keeping a portion of the revenue. Google launched the YouTube Partner Program in 2007 to enable that to happen. Until now, the only way to make money in shorts was through 100 million short funds that was launched last year. 
Starting early 2023, Shorts Focus creators can apply on the W uh, the YouTube Partners portal by meeting a threshold of 1,000 subscribers and 10 million short views over 90 days. YouTube sent a blog post on Tuesday. Mohan said, we started with a Shorts Fund as a first step by creator funds. Can't keep up with the incredible growth we're seeing in short from short videos. You know, Google actually, because we recently started putting our podcast up on YouTube as well, just to expand our audience a little bit more. It's still in the works. It's not perfect in any way, shape, or form, but we're at least attempting to expand into other platforms. But it's also interesting to see how there's a push to take on TikTok, okay? Because YouTube's not the only one who's making a push for this, or Google, I guess you can say. You also have companies like Apple and Microsoft that are spending more on TikTok too, because even CNBC is reporting this as well. Says the explosion of TikTok popularity has pushed the app into the biggest technology company's focus. While geopolitical issues remain heightened over data privacy and security technology firms can't ignore the platform's influence on audiences. Google, Apple, and Microsoft all have TikTok accounts with over 8.5 million likes between the three. While Apple has more than 1.3 million fans on the platform, Google and Microsoft have 403,000 and 143,000 respectively. But unlike Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or any other social platform where these companies have a presence, TikTok is being used to showcase the brands beyond traditional advertising. Quote, younger audiences are usually in ad-free environments. So where are they going to be exposed to things like Microsoft, said Hannah uh, Kalert, an analysis and research at analysis company Media Research, where she specializes in social media, cultural and slash consumer trends with marketing advertising. Quote, it's becoming a question of where else are you going to reach these younger consumers and generate a bit of awareness? Kalert Cal said technology companies are going to TikTok because it's the best way to reach them. Continuing on, the article says, audience are already on TikTok. The rise in big tech activity in TikTok is a reflection of large cultural movement. Brands can't just exist as brands anymore, Calhurt said. They have to have an inter interface, something for audiences to actually engage in. Those big companies need to become more approachable and more personable because audiences are growing, use, uh, very used to being able to interact with the creators that they like. Being close to consumers is also important. Social is a place for us to be more personal, to be more relevant, to be in some ways more candid because we're literally in the same space that our audiences exist for themselves, said Kelly Myers, the director of social media for consumer brands at Microsoft. Big tech companies are finding success on TikTok by not only creating personal con personable content, but by creating content that follows trends already on TikTok, often related to corporate humor and professional advice. This makes content reason, uh, correction, resonate with younger audiences, a demographic that doesn't necessarily relate to specific products or services. Last thing we'll talk, it says a lot of technology companies are focused on the products versus the message, which is great, but a lot of them need, a lot of them are so into the weeds of the products, said Brian Easter, the co-founder of Nebo Agencies, a marketing agency in Atlanta, Georgia. One of the challenges is pulling brands out of that and saying, hey, if we go to TikTok, we just we just brag about our technology. Nobody's going to pay attention, Easter said. What we have to do is find a way to tell the stories and to be human. Young people do love TikTok. I do agree with them on this, okay? And the thing with TikTok in general, like we just read about with YouTube, YouTube's willing to now spend money on these creators who make short videos. 
I mean, there's a whole thing about it. If you are uploading on YouTube, like I had mentioned earlier, this podcast recently expanded on YouTube, where if you actually go onto your dashboard, it actually gets into little details, a little, not, not a whole lot, but it says like, hey, if you're making short little content videos, like, let's see what you can do for the next 90 days, something along those lines. It, it's just very interesting to see how YouTube is having to change with the times to still be consider success. In fact, a lot of the videos that I sometimes see on YouTube, I don't know if you guys have, or fellow podcasters have listened to it is, or at least seen it is there are a lot of short videos now being more advertised on YouTube in general. But here's the thing, something a lot of people need to realize too. TikTok is popular now, but maybe not forever. It's uncertain how long TikTok will remain popular and influential. First of all, nothing is permanent, but as permanent as something can be, TikTok has a lot of ingredients that it needs to stay in power, Easter said. Calhart said our digital society is past the point of signal platform uh, completely upending the social media market. Facebook was the first social platform to shake up the game, then Instagram and Snapchat. She said the platform adds a new aspect of feature, but TikTok might just be another in the mix. It might be TikTok that sticks around, but it could just as easily be another company that comes and does it. I don't think we we'll are see exactly one being everything, Calhurt said. We're, all, we're always going to see at least a handful of these apps being really important at the same time. While big tech should be on TikTok, Calhurt said that, com that compared to traditional advertising, not all exposure and publicity on social media equals positive awareness or increased sales. Quote, it's, it's a lot more unreliable than that. So you'll have to be one social post that goes viral for good reasons. And then there, there's one that goes viral for bad reasons, Calhurt said. So you need to be on TikTok, but be careful what you wish for when it comes to the kind of popularity. It's going to be interesting to see how this TikTok trend might continue. I mean, short videos are the thing. If you see young people a lot, they're always doing some type of creation event on TikTok. In fact, as I've mentioned before, being a volleyball coach on the side sometimes, my athletes will actually come up to me sometimes and say, coach, if we win this match, will you do a TikTok with me? And my response is usually, yeah, sure, if you win this match. Now, granted, they don't always win the match, but young people right now do love TikTok. And because of that, that's where the trend's going. But we always got to pay attention to what the young people are doing because eventually TikTok might lose its flame. But maybe this is where the next thing becomes big on YouTube. The next big celebrity probably on YouTube is probably going to be the one who can figure out how to do the YouTube shorts the most. So we're going to pay attention to see who's going to be able to be the, the king or queen of it all. It's actually something I'd spoken about with a fellow YouTuber. Um, his YouTube channel is called, I think, Financial Generations. He, he had mentioned that that's where all everything was going. And this was about a, a few weeks back. So now it's come full circle, at least in my life. It's going to come full circle in yours as well. So shout out to Financial Generations as well. You were kind of the inspiration to put us up on YouTube. So thanks, man. Continuing on, Tesla Megapack battery caught fire at PG&E substation in California. Ooh, at least one Tesla Megapack pack caught fire earlier Tuesday morning at the energy storage facility operated by utility PG&E in uh, Monterey, California. As of late Tuesday morning, there were there were no power outages for PG&E customers or any injuries on the on-site personnel due to the fire, according to PG&E spokesman Jeff Smith. 
The California's utility became aware of the fire at 1.30 a.m. on September 20th, Smith said in an email. PG&E commissioned the 182.5 megawatt Tesla Megapack system known as Elkhorn Battery at Moss Landing in April this year. Uh, gigantic batteries like Megapack, as well as those manufactured by ABB and Northvolt, enable grid operators to move extra capacity between counties or states and ensure that the power from intermittent sources can be stored and used when demand is higher or when there are unplanned outages in a transmission network. The fires in the energy storage system at Moss Landing are reminiscent of incidents involving the Tesla Mega Packs in Australia. They also underscore the challenges of adopting new technology to improve the efficiency of power grid and to make greater use of electricity from intermittent renewable resources like wind and solar. There are two distinct energy storage projects at Moss Landing in Monterey. One is operated by PG&E and the other by Texas-based Vistra. On Tuesday, spokesperson for Vistra told CNBC their facility was not impacted by this event. However, the Vistra side of Moss Landing has experienced two overheating incidents in the past. California Highway Patrol closed a section of Highway 1 and redirected traffic away from the facility for hours following the fire. A fire captain from North Monterey County Fire John Hasslinger told CNBC late Tuesday that two companies and four fire engines responded to the incident starting at 1.40 a.m. The firefighters used hydrants and water supplies to install, install at the facility and worked to prevent the flames from spreading. Okay, we don't need to get into that a little bit more. But Tesla, for what they're trying to do, I'm, I'm surprised in this article from CNBC, there's not a – they didn't reach out to Tesla and say, like, do you have anything to say about this? And I also wonder if this news has gone back to Elon Musk. I'm sure it has, but I'm just curious to know in the long run how Tesla is going to be able to figure out this battery storage issue. I mean, it happened in Australia, and apparently this other company, Vistra, is having overheating incidents in the past. Batteries, I, I get that they're the future, but it just does not seem like the technology is there yet. It's getting there. And we're going to be a, demand, a country in general that's going to be in demand for energy as much as possible. And so this has got to be done correctly. And Tesla, Tesla might be the leader right now, but it might be. If, if you guys have ever listened to any of some of the, or at least there's a TED talk that actually talks about how, why companies fail. And one of the biggest reasons was the timing of the company, right? It's a very interesting TED talk in general. I'd highly advise listening to it, but it had mentioned that one company had failed because it was the wrong time. And then another company would succeed it after. And I know I'm not saying Tesla's going to fail. Okay. But there probably will be a company soon. That's going to eventually figure out how to stop these overheating of the batteries and what's causing these fires. It, it's got to be something within the component of the battery itself, at least when storing the energy. It's going to be interesting to see who the company is that actually is able to figure this out to prevent the fires. I'm also just curious why PG&E in particular, like they, they didn't get burned on as much, maybe because it didn't cause a huge fire, but PG&E has got a lot of problems facing it. I mean, they recently had the issues, I believe it was last year with the California fires, or maybe it was two years ago. It's hard to keep track of all the news, but it just seems like their grid can't handle it. They, it sounds like PG&E might have to overhaul their own grid and their own systems in order to not get in trouble as much. Got to pay attention a little bit more to PG&E, what they're doing going forward. 
Speaking about more energy, though, the EU approves up to $5.2 billion in public funding for hydrogen projects. Okay, The European Commission on Wednesday approved up to 5.2 billion euros in the public funding of hydrogen projects, a move said to unlock a further 7 billion euros of investment from the private sector. The executive arm of the EU said the block flagship project project to support the research and deployment and construction of the hydrogen infrastructure referred to as IPCEIY2Us. I'm going to call it IP for short going forward because it's way too long to say, fellow podcast listeners. I've been prepared by 13 member states that will supply the public funding. According to the commission, IP will see 29 businesses participate in the 35 projects. The commission said IP would use support the construction of large-scale um, electrosires and transmit infrastructure for the production, storage, and transport of renewable and low-carbon hydrogen. The initiative will focus on developing inno- inno- correction. The innovation will focus on developing quote innovate and more sustainable technologies for the integration integration of hydrogen into the industrial process of multiple sectors like glass, cement, and steel. Continuing on with the quote, the IP is expected to boost the supply of renewable and low-carbon hydrogen, therefore reducing dependency on supply of natural gas, the commission said. Described by the International Energy Agency by a versatile energy carrier, hydrogen has a diverse range of applications and can be deployed in a wide range of industries. It can be produced in a number of ways. One method includes electrolysis with an electric current splitting water into oxygen and hydrogen. If the electricity used in the process comes from a renewable source, such as wind or solar, then some call it green or renewable hydrogen. Today, the vast majority of hydrogen generation is based on fossil fuels. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with these projects going forward. I mean, it's insane to think that this is... It caused Russia to invade... When Russia invaded Ukraine, it caused Europe to actually look at their own power structure and start deciding... Maybe it's time to finally go away from fossil fuels in general. But at the same time, why weren't, why weren't these projects being done years ago? Why is it that it always has to be a natural disaster for any of these projects to happen? I just, it just doesn't make sense. Now, granted, we're probably still going to be a world where that requires fossil fuels in some way. I mean, we might not use it as energy going forward. But it might be a little too late for Europe to be into this game, okay? Especially on the Germany side of things. Since Germany nationalizes energy giant Uniper as Russia squeezes gas supplies. The German government on Wednesday agreed to the nationalization of the utility Uniper as it strives to keep the industry afloat in the wake of the worldwide energy crisis. Having already accepted in July to bail out the major gas importer with a 15 billion euro, the rescue deal, the state will now buy out the 56% stake of Finland Fortum, or a 0.5 billion euros. The German state is set to own around 98.5% of Uniper. Since this stabilization package for Uniper was agreed in July, Uniper's situation has further deteriorated rapidly and significantly. As such, new measures to resolve the situation have been agreed, Fortum announced in a statement on Wednesday morning. Uniper is Germany's largest importer of gas and has been squeezed by vastly reduced gas flows from Russia, which have been sent prices soaring. Russia's state-owned giant Gazprom earlier this month indefinitely halted gas flows to Europe via Nord Stream 1 pipeline. A move Uniper CEO, Klaus, told CNBC that ex, uh, ex, exacerbated the company's struggles. Fortum will 
deconsolidate Uniper in the third quarter of 2022. The company said Wednesday, while four times 4 billion euro loan to Uniper will be rapid and the Finnish company will be released from a 4 billion euro, 4 billion euro parent company guaranteed. Quote, under the current circumstances in the European energy markets and recognition of the severity of Uniper's situation, the divestment of Uniper is the right steps to take, not only for Uniper, but also for Fordham, said Fordham CEO, Marcus uh, Ramio. Ray, Ray Quote, the, the, the role of gas in Europe has fundamentally changed in Ru- since Russia attacked Ukraine, and so has the outlook for gas-heavy portfolio. As a result, the business care for the integrated group is no longer viable. I think any company in general across the world who's 100% in oil and gas of any kind, shape, or form, you need to start diversifying now, potentially, okay? And I can see a lot of investors backing up companies doing stuff like that going forward. This isn't financial advice, obviously. It's just an observation. Oil and gas companies for the longest time haven't diversified their portfolio enough for the longest time. They're starting to now, like you have, for instance, like British Petroleum, for instance, disclosure, I have a small position, long-term position in that company. British Petroleum owns, I believe it was a lot of the solar plants or wind turbines in the United States. It's either one or the other. My mind can't remember every little detail, but they also have a lot of oil and gas. And then they also have, I believe it was cornfields, I want to say they own in brazil to make ethanol of some kind so bp is just one example of a company that diversified now you got other companies that have to be willing to diversify if any energy company is going to survive going forward their diversification of their portfolio is going to be almost determining what they do sure you might have upstream downstream and midstream pipelines in the oil and gas sector but that's still within the same sector a lot of these oil and gas companies in general or electric companies like we just read about PG&E about how they had a Tesla battery. They got to continue to diversify as much as possible when it comes to energy. I think the more a company diversifies, the more likely they'll survive this coming change that's coming. Not saying it's going to be coming full steam ahead. It takes time for these events to happen. But these companies, if they want to stay afloat, got to continue to diversify. Because this is where the world's going. I mean, if you actually look, there's actually articles right now, and we won't we won't talk about it as much, but there's there's articles about how a lot of these companies are now being looked at a little bit more in the ESG sector, the environment social governance portfolio. And if you don't meet certain ESG requirements, they don't put you into it. Tesla isn't even in that right now, currently, even though Tesla is like the greenest energy company and the leader in this green energy movement. So got to diversify if you want to stay afloat, but it's going to be interesting to see what other companies are potentially going to be struggling going forward. And the other thing too, I'm also wondering too, is since Germany now owns this in about 98% of the stake of this company, Does that mean they're going to control the flow of energy within Germany? That's another thought that needs to be thought about. The German government now has control of energy, at least one section of it. That's a thought that should concern a lot of people, but I guess I'm not in Europe and I don't have to worry about it as much. But for my fellow German listeners from this podcast, let us know what you think when when you get an opportunity. So 
On that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope you did like this video in general. Please like and subscribe to this podcast if you have enjoyed it, as every like and subscription helps grow this channel and we may be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street in general and also be able to cover more news and events that are happening. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.